lately. <laughs> We've been away from the podcast, and guys, I promise we're trying to get back to doing the podcast at least monthly. We've just had a crazy busy schedule. We're trying to fit everything in and stop and do a podcast and actually put a show together for you guys. So I promise we're going to try to get better at doing this. And one of the guys said, didn't you say that last month too? <laughs> but we're, we're trying, we're trying. Yes, yes, we definitely trying. But we've got uh, some great stories coming up and some of our airmen that were out in the field on TDY. So we can't wait to speak with them and hear about what they were doing and what they were up to. Yeah, absolutely. We have... Just in January alone, we've been traveling all over to several countries. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about humanitarian aid. We're going to talk about exercises and reserve unique missions. And we'll talk civic leaders and community leaders and honorary commanders program and lots of things that go along with the Air Force Reserve here at Joint Base Charleston. So, Bobby, we've had some interesting developments over the last couple months. We've been really busy, so I want to kind of touch on what the 315th Airlift Wing has been doing as a whole. So, the first thing, we have a new boss. That is true. So, we'd like to bid a very fond farewell to Colonel Gregory Gilmore, who recently left us right before Christmas. Known as Happy Gilmore to all of his friends. Yes, but he did not leave the Charleston Committee, so he is still with us in Charleston with his family. So, we, we wish him a fond farewell. But we need to welcome our brand new commander... Colonel Adam Willis, who is from, uh, he's coming from Wright Patterson Air Force Base, so pretty similar mission set, really great guy. He's When you get a new wing commander, you're always a little nervous. How's the new guy going to right. come in and take things over? It looks like a seamless transition. The wing is in good hands, that's for sure, from both our previous and our current wing commander. I think, I don't want to say the mission almost runs itself, but we've got such a dynamic, unique mission that... Uh, uh, that bird is going down the runway, and no matter who's in charge, it's 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 going to take flight. Yeah, definitely. And also on top of that, to kind of kick off the new year, I know we just brought in a brand new set of honorary commanders. And Lieutenant Colonel, can you kind of explain that to our folks listening on the outside? What is that program briefly? So here at Joint Base Charleston, we have a program called the Honorary Commander Program. It's in a nutshell, we invite community and civic leaders uh, from outside of the community into the base and let them become a team member with the commander. So we assign what we call a civic leader, that business and community leader, with a commander. And we create a partnership for a year between two individuals from very different backgrounds. And we actually indoctrinate them and bring them in and and let them have a role. So we have 15 honorary commanders in the 315th Airlift Wing. We've expanded from six. So the last couple years, we've only had six. But we're, we're, we're growing the program because we've had so many great community leaders who wanted to be a part of this really cool program. They get to fly with us. They get to travel with us. They get to become one of us without actually wearing the uniform. It's really kind of a cool thing and you have a unique background story here before you joined the reserve you were an honorary commander with the active duty that, tell that, us kind of your experience there oh my goodness yeah that very very true lieutenant colonel caps i was uh i on the active duty honorary commander program back in i believe 2008 and so that was kind of my toe in the water so to speak of the Air Force and Joint Base Charleston. But what it provided me, I thought was great, is it gave me an opportunity to learn more about the military and get a peek behind the curtain, which is what I think is so beneficial of, of our program is that we gain some great spokespeople for our wing, for our mission, and then it does give them that peek behind the curtain to see what goes on out here and give them a little bit more appreciation, understanding of what our men and women do day in, day out 
as well as balancing their full-time civilian career out here. Absolutely. I think I was a captain at the time. We have what's called civic leader flights or tours that we take these community leaders on. I remember a couple days after we returned from a civic leader flight, the first time I actually met Bobby, and he called me up and said, hey, I think I'd like to join the reserve. And I kind of, I chuckled and I said, "Uh, you know that what you just did is not really like being in the military, right? And he kind (laughs) of laughed and said he understands, but he had background. His family was in the military. He had some family members in the military, something he always wanted to do, but never really, it just never fit into life. So I think we got you to basic training. I actually hired you to work for me here in the public affairs office, and it took a while to get you going. We were trying to find you a job, and I said, why don't you just come and work for me? And we got you to basic training before your 35th birthday, the cutoff. Yeah, it was a mad scramble. I enlisted in March and went to basic in May. And then I was back here serving October. And I was married like two days later. Yeah, exactly. I had a whirlwind 2010 that, that year. Absolutely. And fast burner, he's already a master sergeant. So that community leadership knowledge helps in the military as well. We, we love to connect people like that. So we've got, we'll go back to our current honorary commanders, our actual induction ceremony. We have raise the right hand and swear in kind of a, uh, you know, basically that they're going to partner with us for a year. And it's, it's, it's a pretty cool thing. We're doing that on February 28th-ish. So about February 28th, we had a little reception for those folks last night and uh, to get to meet everybody so they can pair up with their commander. So it's kind of a cool thing. It is, definitely. And it's so great to see the excitement on their faces when they when they get selected and then when they serve uh, and then the interactions that we, we, we get to provide them with their commander. Uh, it's just a win-win all the way around. Ladies and gentlemen, this next record needs no introduction. So Bobby, switching gears, I want to talk about our first actual story today. I want to talk all things humanitarian aid. As you know, you and I have been on many, many missions together recently or over the last couple of years, and we've delivered humanitarian aid all, literally all over the world. So the 315th has been doing a lot of that. You know, we get the first of the year and we start our training missions. We have a new budget. All of that stuff starts going on. So we do off-station training missions and we tag on humanitarian aid. So instead of flying an empty jet over Charleston, we're flying with a training crew down to wherever we need to go and doing some good things. So I have in the studio Master Sergeant Scott Matthews, who recently just got back from delivering some humanitarian aid down to Sotokano Air Base in uh, Honduras. Scott, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So let's talk about humanitarian aid. You've done these missions. You and I have done these missions for, for years. Tell me about your experiences. It was a great mission. We picked up some uh, cargo here at Joint Base Charleston, some donated cargo, and brought it down to Honduras to people that needed it. What kind of cargo was was on the jet? These items in particular were medical mobility items, wheelchairs, crutches, walkers, that type of product, and for people that needed down in Honduras. That's right. Those were going down to the local hospital because they just didn't have that kind of equipment down there. Pretty right. amazing, don't you think? It is. The original donations came from Minneapolis area. The charities there in Minneapolis donated the items and then got them to Joint Base Charleston, and then we acted as the transport down to Honduras. So, Scott, just so I understand, so you left Charleston, right? This is all done in a weekend, correct? So you left Charleston, went to Minneapolis to pick up the cargo, then went... Well, the cargo was already here from Minneapolis. I think it got here the day before. Okay, wow. Right. Six pallets, 11,000 pounds of medical mobility equipment. Unbelievable. Awesome. That's a lot of stuff. And, you know, the good thing about having a mission like a C-17, 
it's so diverse. You can do a lot of stuff like haul humanitarian aid or just about anything that fits in the back of a jet. That's right. That's right. This was all part of the Denton program. It was all stuff that was donated, and they just need us to haul the, the stuff down there. So let's talk about the Denton program for a minute and how it fits well with the reserve mission, because I think that's real important for our listeners to understand that if you don't know what the Denton program, it's called the Denton Amendment. It's a program that allows humanitarian aid to fly on military aircraft on a space-available basis. So if we've got a jet going, a perfect example, if I also went on a mission uh, that same time that you were flying and we were hauling helicopters. So if I've got one helicopter and about, let's say I've got nine pallet positions open, what they can do is that jet is going down there already or it's an existing training mission. They can actually put humanitarian cargo on with the rest of the cargo and kind of kill two birds with one stone, so to speak. That's right. The air crew, the loadmasters, the pilots, they all need to check their boxes. They need to get their training in. And these items need to be moved, and it just it helps everybody get their training and, and deliver the cargo. So I was talking to a loadmaster, and we were talking about the importance of this. And in my mind, I would always think, okay, it makes more sense. We can fly an empty jet around Charleston and get the same training, or we can fly down to Honduras and back. But the loadmaster really explained that it's more than that. Well, while on the surface, yeah, that's correct, but they have real-world obscure cargo that they have to manage just like when they're in iraq or afghanistan especially those helicopters that's a unique thing that they need to know how to how to balance and manage and all that good stuff and they have everything from the language barrier to subpar equipment that might be down there waiting to unload the jet so it's better training than flying an empty jet or just dropping what they call a pet rock out of the back of the plane like a pretend pallet so it actually works well for our air crew and our our air crew members love doing this because they come away a little more proficient, I think. And that's that's what they talk about. They say those missions are really important. While helping people at the same time. Yeah. Exactly. And, it, and the unique thing about this, too, is majority of the crew, Scott, if I'm right, they're all traditional reservists like yourself. So you left your civilian job, came down to Charleston along with the other crew members right. uh, to, to pull off this mission just in just a few days. That's right. In the life of a reservist, it is real different. You know, Scott is a real estate agent in Myrtle Beach. And he'll drive down to Charleston, throw on a uniform, jump on a jet. So it's, it's kind of a unique life. For sure. So, Scott, I want to talk about the Denton cargo, specifically you flying on these missions. And it's important that we talk about this because why do we fly Denton cargo? And what kind of reward do you think you get personally out of flying a mission like this? It's great to be able to see it firsthand. I talked to the receiving organization that received all that those donations. And he was just, you could almost tell he was jumping up and down. He was so happy that we're able to do this kind of thing. So you get it firsthand from them that they're really, really appreciative of what we do for them. And this is America making a difference throughout the world. And it's not costing the American taxpayer a dime. And I think that's the most important thing that we can bring away with this. This is donated stuff. A lot of it was surplus. Yeah, Yeah, there, there you go. So it's donated. I think one of the most memorable things I've ever done in the Air Force, and there's been quite a few. And Bobby, I think you were with me on this one. I possibly could have been. We went down to Guatemala. Yes, uh, (laughs) Standard Denton cargo run. We were just, we were doing some training. We had some other cargo going somewhere else. We had some open pallets, so we were going to drop some stuff off in Guatemala and then head back home. It was another stop. And it started to become routine. 
Yeah. And, you know, when, when you're out there living it, it's boxes a box is a box after a little while. And the air crew sees that day in and day out. But we kind of started falling into this little routine. We go down to Guatemala, and there was an American doctor who sold her practice and one day just gave it up and moved to Guatemala and opened an orphanage. And they kind of told me the story while I was there. And I walked off the jet as the spokesperson for the wing. It was time to put on a smile. There were cameras out there. It was the whole dog and pony show, if you will. And you try not to trivialize it with that. But but that was in my mind at the time. That's what, kind of what it was. I, so I remember this trip. This resulted with you, uh, I believe, getting a big old cheek pinch and a big old kiss, if I remember that, That's correctly. exactly okay. what happened. And that's what <laughs> took me took me back. They all laughed at me. So there was a lady. She was a doctor. She was an elderly lady who had been there for a while. And I walked off the the plane and went to stick out my, my hand to shake this lady's hand. And I looked and she was crying. She literally grabbed me by the ears and planted the biggest, <laughs> wettest kiss you could possibly imagine right on my face. And I was taken back. Everybody thought it was hysterical. And she said, honey, I, I, I don't shake hands. I, I hug and I'm going to give you a big, wet kiss for all this stuff you are doing. And, you know, we laughed about it, but it really, I had a best friend after that, but it really put things into perspective. These orphanages, we were filling full of stuff that they needed. It was food. It wasn't toys. It wasn't pretty decorations. It wasn't anything uh, that they didn't need. This was food. This is stuff they needed to keep them alive. And they were extremely happy to have that stuff. And it makes you step back from your role a little bit and put things into perspective. And that's what Scott and those guys did this weekend. Definitely. And I think, Scott, for you, this is probably a unique change of pace, so to speak, because you left the wing for a little while and then came back. And now you're able to go out and see some of the amazing missions that we do. Can you kind of touch on what it's been like stepping away for a second and coming back and doing a mission like this? That's right. I was actually part of this swing for five years. And then I left for five years, did something else as a reservist. But coming back to this swing and doing some of these missions like this, just it's very rewarding for the, these types of things to be able to do these types of things. And if the average person is out there and they have lots of stuff they want to donate and you work with a charity, you work with a charitable cause, just reach out to the 315th Airlift Wing. We're right there on Facebook. We're right there on Google. Send us a message and we'll put you in contact with the Denton Program Office. We can get you all the details you need. This happened several years ago. We actually had some people who heard about it on the news. They reached out. They had a bunch of shoes. They wanted to donate to orphans in Afghanistan. We collected 10,000 pounds of shoes right here in Charleston. They called it Operation Soulmate and the whole city got involved. It was an amazing project all because somebody saw a news story and thought there was a need. Exactly. And so this is just one little story of many that our men and women here at the 315th do around the year. And Scott, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. Uh, I appreciate you sharing this story. It's a great story, one of my favorite missions to do. Thank you so much. Thank you. And we're back. With me is Captain Justin Clark, who just returned from Hawaii for an exercise Captain Clark, would you mind uh, kind of telling the audience what you just did in Hawaii and what was involved? Thank you for having me, Bobby. So I just recently returned from Exercise Patriot Palm, which was hosted at Marine Corps Base Hawaii. The core of the exercise was to test the Air Force Reserve contingency response capabilities. So essentially, in the event of a national emergency, like an earthquake or a hurricane, some emergency response organizations 
will sometimes ask the Air Force or the Air Force Reserve to help fly them, their personnel, and their equipment where they need to go in order to respond to an emergency. And so this exercise is really them validating their ability to load cargo onto aircraft because sometimes their people and equipment will be in a location where they, where they don't have a full aerial port the way that we do at Joint Base Charleston. They, they need additional training and practice in loading equipment. So we actually have a unit here, correct, Captain Clark? It's the contingency response flight that stages and does everything here in Charleston. And then you and the crew went over to Hawaii to conduct this exercise, correct? That's right. So the contingency response flight, and I need to make sure I don't get this wrong, their mission is they're able to go to a bare airfield, an airfield that has no support other than a runway. And their mission is that within four hours, they should be able to receive their first aircraft. So they're wow. able to go to a location with no facilities and be able to land airplanes and load cargo. Well, Justin, I want to interject for just a second. Sure. Well, the one thing I want our, our listeners to know is the contingency response flight while the 315th is a reserve wing, we mirror our active duty counterparts. We fly what they fly. We're held to the same training standard, even though we're part-time. And one of the cool things about the contingency response flight is that's a reserve unique mission. We're the only game in town for that mission. So there are no active duty that does that here at Joint Base Charleston or in the Charleston area. So everybody who jumps up and takes off and handles these humanitarian issues like hurricanes, earthquakes, all of this, that guys that set up that bear base, they're reservist. That's right, sir. Thank you for adding that. And so this exercise, the, the neatest thing that I saw was all of the organizations that were involved. And so it wasn't just Air Force or Air Force Reserve. We worked alongside the Marine Corps. We worked alongside the Army and the Army Reserve. We worked alongside the FBI and the Coast Guard. And so all these other organizations got a taste of what we do and the value that we add. And one of the neatest things was everyone who I interacted with from the other organizations said that there was a lot of value added. So when I talked to the Marine Corps, they said that loading cargo onto aircraft is not something that they get trained in very much. They have the equipment to do it, but they never get the opportunity to practice it the way that we were able to. And so they said there was a lot of value added, and they're really glad they had this opportunity. The advantage in Hawaii, they said is that, first of all, there's a lot of units in Hawaii all located in one geographic area. But also, additionally, there's a lot of units in Hawaii that don't have any other support other than through the Air Force. And so, for instance, if the Coast Guard needs to respond to an emergency that's in the continental United States, the only way they can get quickly back back to the U.S. is through the Air Force. So I thought that was really interesting. So you guys, uh, I saw some of the pictures that were posted online. You guys were doing everything from carrying boats to you name it. You guys had some really cool satellite communications equipment set up. It was it was a pretty thorough and in-depth exercise. Now, what was it called? And, and give us the, the quick yeah, little 30-second yeah. overview of the actual exercise itself. Yeah, how, how long was what, what it? Was it a two-week or a week-long exercise that y'all did? So it was a week-long exercise, Exercise Patriot Palm. And like I said, it was hosted at Marine Corps Base Hawaii, which is on the island of Oahu. So the focus of the exercise was practicing loading and unloading cargo with these other organizations, and then also communications with aircraft and, and coordinating with the other CRFs that were involved. And that's a pretty big task. You might think, eh, they're just putting stuff in planes. Well, UPS, everybody does that every day. But when you're talking about picking up and going to a different 
tragedy-torn place without support equipment. It's it's important skill. Well, it's not something that I didn't realize was the amount of preparation and planning that goes into loading cargo or equipment on an airplane. Cargo has to be weighed. Vehicles have to be cleaned before they're loaded. Depending on what kind of support equipment they have, it has to have fuel drained out of it or oil drained out of it, depending on what it is. Things have to have their center of balance marked. Sure. And so, and then the loadmaster of the aircraft or the aerial port will have a plan on how it should be configured and, and tied down once it's loaded on the airplane. And these are things that need to be thought through beforehand because in the event of emergency, we don't have time to think through all this. So you saw it firsthand, worthwhile exercise oh, according oh, to the participants? Very much so. And that's what everybody echoed. Everybody who I talked to from the Army to the Marine to the Coast Guard said that it was very useful and they're very glad that we were there. Nice. I would think too, Captain, that like you mentioned earlier, you've got all these different agencies coming together. So again, it's a blending of cultures and a blending of, of communications styles and planning and yeah it's 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 great that you're able to do this exercise as an exercise and not for the first time in a real world experience absolutely absolutely everybody said that it's very valuable well justin thank you so much for taking your time out to come in here and tell us all about exercise patriot palm you know and i love covering our our unique missions that the 315th airlift wing does and it tells our general public what kind of mission sets we do you know we go from flying humanitarian aid to helping during the disaster and preparing to help during a disaster so it's a pretty cool mission set overall yeah definitely it's 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 so funny you mentioned that colonel because the other day i was driving past the base uh and and a family member was in the car and said bobby where do you think that plane's going i said somewhere around the world and it is so true that when these jets are flying high over the charleston sky they are actually reaching around the world whether it's training or, or responding to an actual emergency well said i want it now and i ain't never gone back down I want it now and I ain't never gonna back down. I want it now and I ain't never gonna back down. Well, it's time to switch gears and talk news and all things 315th. And we have our news director here in the studio with us, Michael Dukes. Welcome, Michael. Tell us what's going on in the 315th. Thank you. I'm happy to be back. My first story that I have is really big. I think something that we've all been waiting for, and that is Space Force. Space Force. <laughs> nice. As of December 20th, we gained our sixth branch of the military, and that is the Space Force, which airmen are finally gone boldly where no airmen have gone before. Yeah. You know, and I think all of us at one time have wanted to switch over to the Space Force after hearing this, just because I, I want to be a space colonel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I can see myself being a great space sergeant. That would be fantastic. Or having a phaser. <laughs> yeah. And I know we're, we're joking a little bit, but what a great mission set these folks have. This is a mission that the Air Force has already been doing, and that's what the general public doesn't understand. We're not all of a sudden going to explore Mars. This is, uh, this is a subset of the Air Force, a mission that happens today. And there's some amazing airmen out there. They're doing this really cool job. All right, what else do you have, Mike? The second big story that's actually of interest to a lot of our listeners, and that is our Joint Base Charleston Air Expo 2020. Yes, Um, air show time. That's taking place here at Joint Base Charleston on the 18th and 19th of April. Those are the open to the public days. Wow, two-day air show. I think this is the first time we've had a two-day air show, and I think this is the only time we've ever had a two-day air show, as far as I can remember. Yeah, and I think now... Dukes, the Friday is what, family day? Friday is family day. That's for military ID card holders. So, and Saturday and Sunday is open to the public, and it's going to be an absolute blast. And, of course, we have the Blue Angels here. I think it's been a little bit since they've been by. 
a fantastic demo team. You guys will want to check out that over the skies of Charleston. Look up or come out to Joint Base Charleston and have some fun at the Air Expo. And you can find latest information on all of our social media, 315th Airlift Wing, as well as our website. The next story that I have, you know, February is Black History Month, and it's a time one of our biggest community outreach events is our Tuskegee Airmen Career Day. Big event, big event for us, Tuskegee Airmen Career Day. Tell us a little bit about the program as a whole. Okay, so it's, it's designed to take at-risk youth in the local area, typically middle school or high school, so 8th, and 9th, 10th grade, and teach them about what options are available for them job-wise in the air career field. Got you. So it's aviation specific. Uh, Last year we hosted 120 middle and high school students, uh, high school boys, who teachers thought that they could use a little guidance maybe. And they were out here and we taught them all things aviation. It wasn't just the military. And that's what I like about it. We had everybody from Boeing to the FAA to Everybody that touches the aviation career field in general, and it was all about exposure, letting people know what we do. So the kids get to come out. We've got 17 schools coming out this year. Wow, that's Again, a lot. over 100 students expected. We feed them. They get to go on to a C-17, talk to each of the stations, so a loadmaster that tells them what they do in the back of the plane. They get to go upstairs to where the pilots sit. Pilot lets them actually sit in the seat so they can feel what it's like to be a pilot and they answer their questions. Then we have a ton of demonstrations. There's security forces demonstrations. There's a lot of hands-on stuff that the kids get to do. They get dressed up in a bomb, hurt locker type protective gear. They get to beat on one of the security forces guys with a a padded stick and that's always uh <laughs> they're a little timid at first but then they quickly get into it and i guess they're taking out some aggression <laughs> i wonder if they would let me do that <laughs> you could be the one receiving the hits yeah that, that's everyday life there michael all right so i do want to give a shout out to our women in aviation and tuskegee airman career day volunteers this is a massive undertaking it takes a lot of people every one of these people are volunteers and it costs money to feed them It costs money to provide everything from transportation and all of this stuff. This is stuff the government doesn't pay for. So our committee members are holding bake sales and barbecue sales, and they're out there raising money themselves to take care of these kids that they've never met, and I think that's pretty powerful. And people can look for them also at the air show. They're going to have a booth at the air show if somebody wants to learn more about it, learn how they could get involved. Perfect. Is that all the news we've got, Michael? That's pretty much it. All right. Well, thanks so much for bringing us all the the latest Air Force Reserve, Air Force, and 315th Airlift Wing news. No problem. Well, Bobby, we covered a lot of topics today, don't you think? We did. We got everything from mission sets to units to news. I think we covered covered quite a bit. We even covered space. We did. We went to outer space. And we're back. And we are back. Yeah. Uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed Behind the Wing. This is our monthly-ish podcast. We try to put it together at least monthly. We're going to try to get back on that schedule as best as we can. We're going to talk about all things 315th Airlift Wing, 
all things Air Force Reserve here in Charleston, trying to make this available and interesting to the general public who might be driving in their car and look for something to listen to other than just really horrible music. I agree. And if there is something unique that you'd like for us to cover or just give us an idea, you can reach us on our app, 315th app. Yeah, we have a 315th Airlift Wing smartphone app. All the messages go directly to me. So we get lots, lots. <laughs> when you get public address out there, the I can tell you that those random messages are pretty entertaining. <laughs> so I get those every now and then. Well, hopefully some of those running messages will turn into a great story. But otherwise, we look forward to speaking to you in the next quarter with some more missions and great news from the 315th Airlift Wing. Absolutely. This is the 315th Airlift Wing's official podcast. I believe we are the only unit in the Air Force Reserve, uh, possibly the Air Force, with our own unit podcast. This is Behind the Wing. I'm your host, Lieutenant Colonel Wayne Caps, along with my co-host, Master Sergeant Bobby Pilch. And we will talk to you all next time. Thank you so much for joining Behind the Wing. Defending the Earth against aliens. Let's just just start all over. We will see you, or be speaking to you, uh, in the next quarter. Say that that again. (laughs) Say that again. Roll it back. Yeah, roll that one back. I see you. No, you don't see me. Okay, go ahead. Airmen are finally gone boldly where no airmen have gone before. You just jacked, kind of. you just jacked up that whole quote there. You know that, right? <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. All things news and all things... Oh, let's do it again. Three, two. Yeah. I can't talk. <laughs> You'd think English was not my first language. And I, I hug and I'm going to give you a big wet kiss for all this stuff you already do. Thanks, man. We're done.